hello there and welcome back to Seed Stories. We are your hosts Zeke Greenside and Tom Klinkhammer. On this program, we'll showcase a different seed variety through stories, seed saving techniques, history, and providing unique interviews with passionate seed savers from across the world. And this week's seed is... Ukrainian Winter Squash! The Ukrainian Winter Squash, of the species Curbida Maxima, is a pumpkin-like squash that is large and round, easily growing to a size of 15 to 25 pounds at maturity. This variety first found its start in Europe, adapted from plants brought over from America during the Columbian Exchange. With a flat-ribbed outer skin that turns orange or bluish-green when ripe, this squash has a bright orange meat that is both smooth and densely textured. Inside the squash, there are numerous large seeds that can be roasted and eaten for a snack. An uncommon variety, the Ukrainian winter squash could be considered to be a sweetmeat squash, as one that can be eaten raw or shredded raw to be made into slaw salads. When cooked, it has a sweet, nutty flavor that goes very well with a variety of main dishes. My good friend Zeke went to go talk to an experienced Ukrainian squash grower named David Massey, who first got this variety of seeds back in the 90s from a Decora, Iowa seed savers organization. Zeke went over to his house and got a chance to talk to him about the surprising versatility of this squash, and on the ways to preserve it for long-term storage. Let's hear what David has to say about this very unique variety. I grew it down in the cities, and then eventually I grew it up here, and I'm growing it up here in this particular climate is because these squash are, as well as a lot of other squash, are subject to the squash vine borer. And squash vine borer is in kind of endemic from like the Twin Cities all the way down to the border of Mexico. And you know, so one of the reasons why they, that people uh, raise butternut squash is because it's it's not, uh, the squash vine borers don't attack it. They don't like it. So that's one of the reasons. But, you know, I, I grow it up here because of um, the squash vine borers have never been a problem. And, and um, uh, it grows really well up here. And um, another interesting thing about the squash is that um, you can't grow it, like on a lot of squash you can grow it on plastic or on, uh, on uh, weed block because they don't put down secondary roots. In other words, once you get the, the, the plant growing, and it'll start vining out, all the flowers are in the, the center part of the, where the, the plant, those are all the male flowers. And then the, uh, the plant starts vining out, and every foot so it puts down a node, and um, a female flower, and then uh, potential for a squash right there. But this variety, as well as some other varieties that I grow, including Sweet Keeper, every node puts down a root. So you get more production from, from these varieties that, that put down secondary roots. So you can't grow this on the plastic mulch? Well, I wouldn't. No, why wouldn't I? Because it can't get, yeah. put that root down. But you know what? Most varieties of pumpkins and squash don't do that anyway. So you can keep them clean by, by, by keeping them and growing them on that. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, is that, for instance, you can, most of them have a, a spot where it touches the soil, mm -hmm. and that's where all the source of infection. There's yeah, just a little. That one's just got a little mark, but, you know, some of them have enough 
straw and, and foliage and stuff like that that they don't get it. But you know, the ones that are that are attached to the soil, then that always is, becomes a source of infection. And then the other thing is, is that you can use um, hydrogen peroxide in water and, and clean these. And then if you really want to preserve the how, how long these things will last, you can have, um, you just take a little bit of vegetable oil and with a rag and, and, and wipe them down. That'll really increase their longevity. Keeps them maybe, uh, I think what that keeps them from dehydrating. Just different kinds of things that, you know, that, that happen. I've had some that, uh, that I've kept for two, two years. All the way to the next Yeah, they don't the... ever, they don't ever rot. So you really have to have really good genetics and ger genetic diversity. This is production year 2015. This is 15? It's an owl. 2015. Do you think it's like a gourd inside, or do you think there's like meat inside? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just telling you that I've had some that uh, lasted. It just doesn't rot. Yeah. How heavy is it? Mm. I've had them. I've had them go a number of years. And you've eaten ones like two years. And well, I never tried eating them when you know I always have enough around, so I've never tried eating them afterwards. But you know. But yeah. I'm sure this, I'm, it'll be interesting. The seeds are probably still viable in there. You know what I mean? It's like. Yeah. You, uh, you switch out, you turn it. No, I don't, I don't go in, I don't do any. You don't do anything fancy like that? <laughs> no, no. Rotate it every few No, weeks. no. <laughs> well, that can help. Yeah, I know, but just random. But, you know, you'll see here that some of them, since we've had hailstorms every year since the last five years, we had two hailstorms last year, you get scars. You get hail scars and stuff. When we have a hailstorm, I take out the really damaged stuff, take the stuff that isn't too bad, and then put and spray calcium and um, and um, what's the stuff comes out of seaweed type stuff. Kelp. Yeah, kind of stuff, you know. Kelp. And I spray all those things to, to heal up all the all the all the spots. You can basically save a whole harvest. Normally, you just basically chalk it off. You if you have trouble, for instance, getting uh, um, you've got too much foliage, like a lot of these like Baker Creek and some of these places that, that sell all these exotic types of seeds from all over the place, most of them don't grow good up here. Yeah. But you know what? All they produce is, is put, produce tremendous amount of growth, but then they can't get into the reproductive stage. But yeah. there's a formula that you can put on here and spray on to uh, basically in, incite the plant to get into the reproductive phase. And it's a mixture of ammonia, and some, uh, was it used vinegar? I don't remember. They used some kinds of different things. A whole bunch of different things that they put on to get the plant into the... Because you hear that common complaint around here of, yeah. of people have all these tomatoes and all this stuff, but they nothing, nothing, or they don't get any, any, any ripe ones. Yeah. Or they won't get any production. Well, they get production, of, but they don't get any um, uh, maturity. And, you know, you can't get the reproductivity. You know, the, 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 the proof of the pie is, if I give you a sample of even the raw squash, that's one thing. First of all, if you were to, if you were to wash these squash and put a little hydrogen peroxide in water, because most of the time any diseases on a, on a, on a winter squash like this are going to start from the outside. So would you wash them right before you store them? Well, I don't. Oh. It's too much work, but you know what I mean? It's like, if I wanted to really improve the the shelf life even longer, then you just put some hydrogen peroxide in water. Same thing with you got hoop, uh, tomatoes coming out of the hoop house. It not only preserves the longevity, the storage longevity of a tomato, but it uh, also gets rid of any, any dust or anything else that was on there, you know. What's the uh, name of this one again? 
Cherasinskaya UK, Cherasinskaya Ukrainian winter squash. See, this one's got white seeds. Do you think it's anything to do with um, keeping them out in the cold that keep, makes them sweet at all? Or you know? It sweetens them up by leaving them out in 30 days. I always, when I pick them, let them sit for 30 some days or something like that. You realize what happens to potatoes? Potatoes, you know, we try and store them so that we can keep them for the next year to plant them. Well, if we do that, then what happens is if you store them between, say, 32 and 38 degrees, the starch turns to sugar in storage. And so when you take them out and eat them, you know, they're kind of sweet. So then if you take them out and let them sit at room temperature back, the starch then reverts back. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a thing that works back and forth, temperature related. So then if you take those potatoes out in storage and you want to eat them, if you don't want them to be sweet, then you just put them in room temperature for a week or so and it reverts back to where they were. So, you know, I don't know what the deal is with these squash, if it's only a one-way conversion or a two-way. It may be that it, I think that you store them, then what happens is they, um, uh, they seem to get somewhat sweeter. You mm -hmm. could do an experiment probably, but for instance, what you do is you just take a drop of that fluid right there and put it on. Well, you can tell there's a lot of sugar in there yeah. just by eating it. I mean, yeah. you know what, you don't need to put it in a refractometer. How do you, how do you change people's mindset to think of squash as a sweet? Well, but I, you know, it, it's not, <laughs> not, only, not only that, but I'm thinking, Soft. I'm yeah. looking at it from mm -hmm. the bigger picture of um, what would you grow? You can go up on the Red River Valley and, and, and grow sugar beets to get sugar. The question is, is, uh, is, is, if you can grow this kind of stuff that produces that much sugar and gets a, a, a really substantial yield, you get a lot of pounds, why would you want to grow other things that are not very edible? I mean, you'd have yeah. to ask yourself that question. Besides the only thing that you know, no, but I mean, but all the all the sugar beets that are harvested now, I wouldn't eat them anyway. They're all GMO, so it's cheaper. But that's that's another whole kettle of fish. Yeah, don't get started. Yeah, you could probably make something really good with this. Yeah, if you put a couple ice cubes in there and some gin, I think that would be fantastic. You don't even need anything. There's gin down there if you want some. That's so flavorful. All right, well, try. Put a couple ice cubes in there. Mm. Um, Sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> but this is uh, this is uh, this has ended up being sweeter than I. Uh, you know, you just don't know until you yeah. actually you yeah, know really put juice it. You know, it yeah. just it kind of blows your socks off because yeah. you don't think it's gonna you don't think it's gonna taste any good and it, you don't think that it's gonna be. Oh, hey, that's exactly what happened. Did blow my socks off. What? It did blow my socks off when I when I took my first sip. It, yeah, it really did. It was it was awesome. If you're just tuning in, we're speaking with Minnesota organic vegetable grower David Massey. Now, David shows me a few of his prized Ukrainian squash varieties as we look at the different physical characteristics of the seeds. And again, to reiterate, these are winter squash or Cucurbita maxima. So well, this is one of the ways I, I keep these things apart. And I can tell the seed color for one thing that in the shape of the seed, you can tell they're different different kinds of seeds the white yeah yeah i mean if they even did cross it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world no <laughs> it'd be kind of interesting and then pretty, i have uh, pretty similar squashes in some ways yeah they have a, a, a quite a bit of this is a small squash but it has quite a bit of meat yeah and you can this one had a fairly decent bricks too 
I mean, in terms of quality, not quantity. Yeah, I mean, I only have, I have a limited number of squash, maybe four. Yeah. You know what I mean? I have um, the uh, the Cherson's guy, the Sweet Keeper, the you say Hokkaido this. Stella Blue, yeah, and, uh, and, and Crown Pumpkin. I have all those four. The other ones are just, the only reason I raise up some of them is because you can't keep, you can't convince anybody to try these other ones that are better. You know, maybe we can, I don't know. Maybe if we sell a seed, yeah. kind of rave about it. I thing. don't know what the, an I don't really know what the, the answer is, but I can tell you that that Cherson's guy, Ukrainian winter squash that, that I've been growing and growing out for since the 1990s. And it's got some patent protecting characteristics, but you can't, uh, and I'm not saying I should do that or do, should do that. I'm just saying that it has some interesting characteristics that you can't get anywhere else with other varieties. So consequently, it may be an advantage to a seed company to have some protection. I mean, I don't, you know what I mean, for instance, essentially when I went to the seed bank in, in, in England and got, and got samples and grew them out, they weren't anything like what I've been, been growing. This is serendipity, but you know, maybe this stuff crossed along the line with something else, and what I've got is actually a lot better than, than, than the original stuff. So I, the only reason I'm bringing it up, not because I, I want to, but I'm saying that there is some possibilities on that particular material. Mm. Well, we're that, we don't know everything. You know, it's what we know <laughs> is such a very small part of it. Yeah. Those are the kinds of things that you can, you can do if you're, if you're a good operator. I'm, no, I'm not a good operator. <laughs> you're figuring out something. Yeah. Anyway, so, yeah. David gifted us some of his Ukrainian squash seeds, and we grew them in an initial plot in 2019. We are continuing to grow them in the 2020 season for production, and we'll be offering these seeds in the North Circle Seeds catalog in late fall of 2020. So be on the lookout for these super sweet, delicious Ukrainian squash. And if you've got a juicer, you could impress your friends with a unique orange, sweet, satisfying cold drink. Well, that'll do it for this episode. We're your hosts, Zeke Greenside and Tom Klinkhammer. We hope you'll join us next time, and remember folks, it all starts with a seed.